World's on fire. Our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. And you want know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Yeah, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Well, I'm clicking my heels again this morning. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Even though being here in Metairie, New Orleans is a lot like home. Got Pastor Dale Social sitting here beside me. And uh, just real quickly as we get rolling here, uh, this is two weeks in a row that Michelle and I have had the opportunity to be part of a church family. Not a church. Folks, I'm telling you, there's something different about it. You know what I'm talking about? A church family where, like the old... uh, uh, what what was that? Cheers! Everybody knows your name, right? I mean, literally, literally. And uh, I think probably all of you out there are really hungry for a fellowship like that. And uh, you know, last night after some Sunday morning service, Dale uh, in his church just invited a bunch of people to come. Hey, come come over and eat. Come over and eat. And they had about I don't know. They had a good crowd last night. Fed them trash can. Turkeys. Anybody know what trash can turkey is? I learned that last night. But Dale got busted out because, you know, he's always giving me a hard time about crawl dads and whatever they call those things, and I won't eat him. But he got busted out last night because the truth came out. <clears throat> he can cook anything, but he doesn't cook crawl dads. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. That's not his thing. So we were saved from not having to eat, eat crawl dads last night. But met a lot of, lot of, I had an unbelievable lot of great conversation. I actually kind of showed up at the church in the morning and then didn't. For a couple, all the men, it's been it's been a wonderful trip and a, a nightmare getting down. So just let me let me share this with you because you know I'm a, I think I can outfox everybody. And I said, uh, listen, I'm not going to fly into an airport and have to sit in an airport for four hours waiting for a change of flight. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm looking for a straight flight. The only one I could find, believe it or not, was into Houston. Now Houston's about four and a half hours from New Orleans, but I said I'm going to fly into Houston. My wife and I. Because if I get to Houston, I can at least rent a car. And if the world shuts down and they don't, I can, I can, I can drive a car. So we drove, we flew into Houston. Our flight was late going out of Columbus. Flew into Houston, get on the ground in Houston, go to the car rental place. And we sat there for two hours waiting for a car. Now, that may not, those of you who don't travel who much understand, usually you boom off your plane, down the aisle to car rental, boom, and your car and gone. Two hours we sat there. And then Michelle and I get in the car and we, we were heading, we were going to have lunch with uh, with Leslie and Todd Barm, and, but we got there late, couldn't do it. So we're now we're heading out towards New Orleans and an hour traffic jam. One of those stop, don't go anywhere. We finally got got into Metairie here in just east uh, west of New Orleans. Finally got here, but I probably should have flown straight into New Orleans. To be honest with you. Except when we leave here this morning, we got to drive back to Houston, get on the plane. But it's a direct flight back home. Uh, I, I, look, I, I want to say this. I want to say it seriously. I don't trust flying anymore, folks. I don't know if you've ever been stranded in an airport. That's happened to me a couple times. There's nothing worse. And stranded in an airport. And I was, I was thinking about all this crazy stuff that's going on with Israel. And, uh, you know, they're going to launch the Muslims on us again. I said, I can see myself getting in Chicago. And all of a sudden there's a terrorist attack somewhere. And they shut down the airlines. I said, I ain't going to do that. So that's why we flew in direct flight so I could get off that thing, get a car. And we're, uh, we're heading home today. So God bless you. Got some, I got some great stuff I want to share with you. But I want to. We'll just take a minute, let uh, let Pastor Dale get in here and just share his part. Because, again, you know, I'm hard on pastors. I just want you to know there's some great ones out there, man. There's some really, really good ones out there. 
and uh, Spencer or uh, it's Jonathan, and I didn't even pay any attention. Jonathan, I sent you Jesse Duplantis' house. If you guys all heard of Jesse Duplantis, right? Uh, Jesse Duplantis, uh, the name it, claim it guru. Well, he lives, he, Dale said, well, he just lived down the road. I said, oh, no. Yeah. I don't know if you guys can see that because we're still having technical problems. Probably can't see it. It's like a freaking mall. His house is like a mall. And, uh, but his church isn't real big. Kind of, kind of unique. So I go around, I look at these places. And you, you guys know that we, we're, I'm hard on the pastors, right? Jesse Duplantis, is he a pastor? Dale said that when they had hurricane issues and down here, stuff like that, he did, his billion-dollar ministry didn't do anything to help anybody down here. It's the on-the-turf, on-the-ground, boots-on-the-ground guys like Dale. And, and you know, we were at Clint's place last week. It, it, gives, it gives me hope for what's going on. Dale, just pop in there a few minutes and let people say hi and all that. Go, man. Uh, hallelujah. Normally, I'm sitting in my rocking chair in my pajamas with a cup of coffee This is and enjoying the show. But, yes, yeah, so... You know, I, I was just driving down River Road is what it is. And I said, well, just let me know when you think you see Jesse's house. <laughs> and so we're just driving. Folks, you can't believe it. <laughs> it, it listen, his house and 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 the, the, the pushback that came from the community. It's the biggest house or plantation in the entire state of Louisiana. It's 35,000 square feet. We could host an event there. And he wouldn't even know that we were in his house. It's so doggone big. And so here's the thing. He's not a stupid man. He's not stupid. So the way he did it, that's actually under his 501c3, it would be considered a parsonage. Mm. So he built it under the guises of the church. So guess how much taxes he pays on this thing to the state? Zero dollars. Smart guy, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, smart guy. And him and his wife have his and her jets and fly around and stuff like that. But you know, I I don't even indulge myself because I don't worry about those things because I, and I told coach this last night, I said, it's not braggadocious. I said, this is a badge of honor. I begin to point out people in the church. I said, you see this one over here? I said, I was at the hospital when they were born. I said, wait, and now she's married and she has children. We were there for them too. I said, I could, I could go through the congregation and see so many people that I've, I was in the hospital and my wife was. Because it's a family. It, it's exactly, we are, we were, it's just a big family. So anyway, I'm going to turn it back over. Amen. Amen. So we're, we're down here. By the way, the coffee I'm drinking, what is this deal? This is, so folks, you get all kinds of unique stuff when you come to New Orleans. Okay. So I, I, I'm not, I'm not much on a bunch of things, but two things I love is my guitars and my coffee. So this coffee, it's Jabloom which stands for Jamaican Blue Mountain Coffee. And it's a Peaberry coffee. It's very pricey. And this is one of the coffees that they actually serve on Air Force One. Mm. So I'm treating them this morning. Like and, the president. Yes. So I'm broke because I buy stuff like this. Amen. Amen. Hey, Je hey Jeff Klein, how things going Mount Vernon this weekend? Is, is, I didn't look. I can't really see if Jeff in here. Hey, yeah. Kelly, how you doing? Jeff, maybe not in here with us yet. I'm here, Coach. How, how things go up your way, buddy? Well, nobody showed up on the square. I didn't go this Saturday. All right. That's That's okay. You don't have to apologize. Just asking. No, I'm not apologizing. I'm just saying I didn't go this Saturday. I got the permit for the whole month of November. So I'm going to show – They'll probably, all the, the God-hating Democrats up there probably figured I just took a defeat. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. So I'll show back up next Saturday and surprise, and we'll get back at it again next Saturday. Sounds good. Uh, I got something else cooking that we'll talk about later on. I, over in Pastor Mike Spalding's area, the students had a rebellion. Students at Elida High School had a walkout over what? Uh-huh. Boys in the women's restroom. The students began to push back. Folks, huh? about time? About time for us to rise up and do something, get behind the students? I'm telling you, something's happening here. A lot of... A lot, a lot of good stuff going on. Hey, I want, I want, I want to. I want, I, uh, can I do something controversial this morning? Say, of course you can, Coach. It's your show. Um, I've always been a Cleveland Browns fan, and uh, I got really, really upset, like a lot of other people did in 1999, I think it was, when the Cleveland Browns. I don't know if you guys remember this. Moved to Baltimore, and they, they, Art Modell took the Cleveland. This is important. Stay with me. Art Modell, in the cover, in the darkness of night, 
took his Cleveland Browns franchise, which was the original NFL franchise. Paul Brown, the Cleveland Browns, right after the Canton Bulldogs, they were the first NFL team. Well, 1999, Art Modell wanted a new stadium. They wouldn't build him a new stadium. So he signed in the middle of the night, he announced, we're going to Baltimore. And overnight, this overnight, the Cleveland Browns became the Baltimore Ravens. Does anybody remember that out there? Any football fans out there remember that? In Cleveland, yeah. was out of pro, without a pro franchise until 2000, and I wrote it down somewhere, 2000, I don't know, five, six, something. And finally, football came back to Cleveland. Well, yesterday, the Cleveland Browns were playing the Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens. Wait a minute. The Cleveland Browns were playing the original Cleveland Browns in Baltimore. You, you tracking with me? The, Cle- the, old, the, the, the Cleveland Browns moved to Baltimore. He said, Coach, why, why are you telling me that? Stay with me. The Cleveland Browns moved to Baltimore and became the Ravens. No more Cleveland Browns. And then, lo and behold, in 2005 or 2006, I don't remember when it was, the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland got another team. The Ravens were still, the real Cleveland Browns were still in Baltimore, being called the Ravens. But now they had a new set of Cleveland Browns who were created by the U.N., what, no, it wasn't the UN. wasn't the UN. It was the NFL had an expansion team. And they brought in the expansion team, Cleveland Browns. But hang on, Dale, they're not the real Cleveland Browns. The real Cleveland Browns are in Baltimore under a different name. And I said, Lord, that'd be sort of like God's chosen people, wouldn't it? Huh? Didn't God, didn't Art Modell pick up God's chosen people and move them someplace else? And then the UN created them another team again? I, I, I Listen, I'm not trying to pick any bones here, but I'm sitting there watching now. Which is, somebody help me. Who are the Cleveland Browns? The Baltimore Ravens? Who are the original Cleveland Browns? Or this new group of Cleveland Browns. Do you see a comparison here between God's chosen people and a created God's chosen people? Am, am I dipping my toe where I shouldn't be tip, dipping my toe? Have any of you thought about that? Okay, Randall's got Randall says, well, they were not an original team. Okay, okay, Randall. They weren't red. But since 1940, right? Right? And the, 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 look, I'm always asking these questions. I don't know why my mind works this way, but it is the way the mind works. And I'm wondering again, have they pulled a fast one on us? And now they're now they're making me choose between the old Cleveland Browns and the new Cleveland Browns. They're trying to make me pick between the old God's chosen people and the new. Anybody tracking with me? Hmm. Just thought that was kind of interesting that my loyalty still ought to be with those original Cleveland Brownies. Would you believe it? Would you agree with that? Okay, a couple things I want to throw at you real quick. Pull up um, number five. Five. Can somebody name for me the last time the United States wasn't at war? Well, we, we no wars during the Trump administration. Was there, there were no wars during? Can you guys in your lifetime think of a time when there wasn't a war? So I'm a little nervous, Johnny, because I don't know if people are going to be able to see this because of I'm having some tech, technical difficulties. Can they see it, John? Okay. Anybody remember what a war bond is? Do you remember that deal? You ever yep. hear that? Yeah. You guys know what a war bond Absolutely. was? Absolutely. What was what was a war bond? Somebody out there, come in and tell me a little bit. What was a war bond? Come on, come on now. When you all went to public school, it was to support the war effort, right? What does that, that mean, Kelly? What does that mean, Kelly? Well, it means that we're at war. The country needs help, and you should help the country support what they're trying to do for what should be a good purpose. 
So they the, a war bond meant you bought a bond and invested in the war for your country, yeah. right? Right. So it was really the war was funded not so much by the government, although it was, but it was funded by the individual people who bought into it. Whatever happened to war bonds? Whatever happened to the American people who said, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to invest. No, nah, I don't think I'm going to invest in Vietnam. I don't think I'm going to do that. Whatever happened to that? I want to play this little quick little clip for those of us who are getting up in age who remember war bonds. Go ahead and play that. 13, the American people had direct veto power against spending policies of the federal government because in order for the federal government to borrow any money, it had to go to the people. There was no central bank it could go to. It had to sell bonds. If you didn't want to go to war, you didn't buy the bonds. If you didn't want this pork project that the government had in mind, you didn't buy the bonds. It was a very simple system, a Republican system, whereby you had veto power, economic veto power. And it worked very well until 1913. That's how come government managed to stay small, because it didn't have an unlimited credit line to go on a shopping spree for 80 years and make you pay for it. So in 1913, there was this convenient new arrangement made. The Federal Reserve Act created an unlimited credit line for the federal United States government to borrow directly from the Federal Reserve Bank and obligated the American people to pay it back, completely bypassing what was our veto power. And they no longer had to come to us directly to ask permission to fund something. They went directly to the bank. Now. If you go to the bank and want to borrow some money, what do you got to do? You got to put collateral up, right? They're not going to give you a $5,000 loan if you have no collateral, if it's unsecured. You're going to have to put up your house, your car, your land or something, right? Prior to 1913... I don't know whether... whether so you get what was going on, folks? Do you, do you understand what, what, they, what they've done to us up until 1913? Federal Reserve, all that stuff gets gets in, uh, comes in. Up until then, they had to get the will of the people to support it. Now they totally bypass it. And do you want your grandson going to Middle East, fighting on behalf of Israel? Do you guys want? Do you want that? Because that's where this that's where this whole thing is heading. Number two, hang on, let me get this. Yeah, the Fed's printing money. Hmm. Yep, yep, just like funding Jesse's house. Good one. That's right. It's a good one. And then poem number seven, poem number seven for me. This is Robert Welch who started, I believe he started the John Birch Society. I could be wrong, but it directly involved with, with the, the origination of the John Birch Society. Uh, listen to this, folks. Robert Welch speaking to us on communism. Go ahead. A part of that plan, of course, is to induce the gradual surrender of American sovereignty piece by piece and step by step to various international organizations of which the United Nations is the outstanding but far from the only example. Now here are the aims for the United States. One, greatly expanded government spending for every conceivable means of getting rid of ever larger sums of American money as wastefully as possible. Two, Folks, just higher on and three, then much John. higher... This is, these are the communist goals, how they were going to destroy America. Okay, go ahead. Taxes. Three, an increasingly unbalanced budget, despite the higher taxes. Four, wild inflation of our currency. Five, government controls of prices, wages, and materials, supposedly to combat inflation. Six, greatly increased socialistic controls over every operation of our economy and every activity of our daily lives. This is to be accompanied naturally and automatically by a correspondingly huge increase in the size of our bureaucracy and in both the cost and reach of our domestic government. Seven, far more centralization of power in Washington and the practical elimination of our state lines. A part of that plan, of course. Well, there you get it, right? How many of those things are in place 
and they're destroying our country as a result of it, right? Big government. Hey, folks, that was in my lifetime. That was in my lifetime. I'll be I'll be 71. That happened within my lifetime. Okay, another another one, uh, a couple more clips, and then, then I'm going to open it up here. Pull up number one, Google. Are you ready for this one, folks? Are, are you ready? Google. You're just not going to believe it. Google, go ahead and play that one, Johnny. Uh, Google alone shifted more than 6 million votes to Joe Biden. Now, by the way, I supported Hillary Clinton. I supported Joe Biden. I lean left myself. Uh, So I should be thrilled, but I'm not thrilled because I don't like the fact that a private company is undermining democracy and getting away with it. And there's no restrictions on them whatsoever. Absolutely none. They have an absolutely free hand. So they do what they're doing blatantly and arrogantly. Quick example of another ephemeral experience to show you how blatant and arrogant this is. Florida in 2022. Okay, so we were monitoring Florida because one of the key swing states. Uh, On election day, November 8th, all day long, Democrats in Florida were getting go vote reminders on Google's homepage. Wow. Uh, Conservatives, Facebook, not so much. In other words, 100% of Democrats in Florida were getting those reminders all day, 59% of conservatives. That is an extremely powerful and blatant, but six million votes. You don't have a monitoring system in place to capture all that ephemeral stuff. The FEC should be all over this. This This is a party in kind. Uh, donation yeah. to the party, to the candidates, they should be all. FEC is the state of the switch. You know, so, they won't. Yeah, but so Donald, uh, President Trump beat beat the cheat 2016. Well, I think he beat the cheat in 2020. Well, but, like, but then, but he's then, not president, so I know. Really well, but so <laughs> you know, 70, 70,000 vote differential yeah. when we know that there's these, what you, you know, I would agree with you, smaller amount of cheat, but through, you know, different tech. Well, if this is true, I mean, then Trump's popularity is it's huge. Oh, yeah. huge. It, it, it yeah. was it, a collective was like 44,000 votes in three swing states. Are what stopped Trump from, uh, 2020, uh, from that, 2020. That's right. Exactly. Eric. Now, what, one thing we've learned how to do, this is very recent, by the way, in our work. We've learned how to look at an election that took place, look at the numbers, and we can factor out Google now. So in 2020... Uh, Trump won five out of what were generally considered to be 13 swing states. If you factor out Google, Trump would have won 11 of those 13 swing states. Except New York and California. That's and it. Or, easily, or swing states, easily yeah. would have won in the Electoral College. Huh? Yeah, come out from out of it. That's right, Mel. I'm unbelievable. One more thing. I've got to show you one more thing, okay? Then, I'm gonna, then I'll open it up and let you get in here. Pull up. Number two, Mark Houck. Does anybody know that name? You know that yeah. name, Mark Houck? I heard of it. Mark, Mark Houck was the father of seven, I believe, who was at Planned Parenthood, and his his, mm-hmm. uh, his teenage son was getting abused by one of the workers, yep. right? And they arrested Mark Houck because he defended his son. They charged him with a face violation, all this kind of stuff. And I saw this video this weekend, and I thought, i gotta, I got to show everybody this because Mark Houck says, are you next, friends? Are you next? Go ahead and play that. The stakes were high and the odds were against me. It all came down to this. I could risk 11 years in prison and over $350,000 in fines, or I could accept the sweetheart plea deal. But to get out of jail free, I had to plead guilty. There was a lot on the line, my freedom, my family, and my future. In order to understand why, I've got to back up over a year. I was with my son in Philadelphia, praying in front of a Planned Parenthood. An escort approached us and started verbally harassing my 12-year-old son. I told him to back off, and when he continued to harass my son, I pushed him. Here's the thing. I had every right to defend my son, and the local authorities even agreed. One judge threw out the civil lawsuit brought against me. But the feds had a different plan for me. Months after that encounter, at the break of dawn, My family awoke to loud pounding. The doorbell was ringing, and the entire house was lit up with noise. The man behind the door yelled, open up! Behind him was an entire FBI SWAT team pointing M16s at me, my wife, and my seven children. I asked them, what are you doing here? They replied, you know why we're here. I told them, oh, you're here because I rescue babies. And that was just it. 
on the surface, it may have looked like they were there to make an arrest, but the real goal was to humiliate my family, to scare my kids, and to make an example out of me. They wanted to send a message that those who stand against the radical agenda of the state will be prosecuted. Fast forward four months to the eve of the trial, four months contemplating over a decade behind bars, financial ruin, all this plus the fact that when the feds charge someone with a crime, less than 2% are acquitted at trial. And then the prosecution offered me another option, a sweetheart plea deal, plead guilty, no prison time, no fines, just a pinch of incense to the emperor, so to speak. As I sat there contemplating what I would choose, I was very aware that pleading guilty would be a lie. I couldn't stand the idea of bending the knee to what was obviously intentional intimidation from the federal government. But more than that, this case was so much bigger than me and my family's life. The SWAT team with their trucks and guns and the attorneys with their plea bargains were there to send a message to all of you If I gave in and played it safe, the powers that be would go on and attack the next guy in line. And this time, they would have my guilty plea as a precedent. What I learned through those terrible months, as I thought about losing my freedom, my family, my home, and my security, is this. There is so much more to lose. And if I'm not willing to risk something, the next guy may lose it all. We're in this together, and we can't live in fear, not as Americans, not as Catholics. We are all in. We can't back down, and we can't walk away. The only way to stop the bullies is to say, no deal. I'm Mark Halk, founder of the Kingsman mm. for Edify. Thanks for watching okay, this friends. video. So, so look, that, that's my topic from the, for the day. I want, I, I'm gonna hear, I, I got to share. I want to hear from Dale wants to say, share something with you. Because Dale is a rescuer as well. Yes, sir. So so if you go in your Bibles and you go to the book of Exodus, and I believe it's around the ninth chapter, 11th chapter, this was the same thing that Moses has pointed out. Let my people go. Let us go worship in the desert. That's If you look at it, it wasn't about, hey, set us free. We're not coming back. It was just about let us go worship in the desert. And, of course, we understand all the plagues came down, right? But it was always there was the political thing that was going on, making deals, as Flip Benham would call it, the Faustian deal. And when it got down, when it got down to the end, right, here's Moses. It's the last one. He says, let my people go. And Pharaoh looked at him and he said, Take your women, take your children, take your things and go. Only leave your cattle. The cattle, come on, it's a cow, big deal. And Moses looked at Pharaoh and said, not one hoof will remain in Egypt. See, that's what Mark Howe said. He's like, listen, I'm not making no deals, no Faustian deals. Not one hoof will bow, not one knee will bow. And that right there was the delivering point. And this is where we, we have to be. And, and I understand it's easy, as Chad always says, right? Until it's your mailbox, right. till it's your mailbox. It's one thing. We sit on the sideline like this and watch this like a football game, coach. Yep. Yep. And when it's all done <clears throat> and what happens with Mark, probably how much money did it cost him? Oh, my goodness. So, costs, right? so this, is the, this is the Faustian deal. And Dale and I know several people that were, are yep. – Right now, right? It's called lawfare, friends. So, well, the question I want to ask is, would you take the deal? Would you take the deal? In, in your desire, look, look come on. Let, this is nuts and bolts stuff, right? Let's get down to it. Dale Thay, rest Dale Socia. Why, my goodness, he's got a wife and a house and children and grandchildren and a life. Does he say, oh, uh, yeah. I'll take I'll take six months and I can be home in six months. But say, Dale, you didn't do anything wrong. You're not guilty. I know, I know, but golly, I can't afford it. What what do you do, folks? What do you do? Because I think these are the things that we need to begin to talk about. And don't ever don't ever forget this. The Bible says, Dale, if they smite the shepherd, the, the sheep will flee. The sheep will scatter. And I know without going into the details, several guys who are facing what they call this Faustian deal right now, uh, take a plea bargain or fight what looks like an unwinnable battle. You're going to go to Washington, D.C. There's only been two people 
who've won in Washington, D.C. So it's, a, it's like my high school team playing the Ohio State Buckeyes. What do you do? Love to hear from you. Come on in, Myra. In regard, will you take the deal what they'll just uh, preach the war bond and Google collisions? 2, 14 through 16, it is written. Broadening out the handwriting of ordinance that was against Blotting us. it out, blotting it out, blotting it out. Taking, taking some white out, right? Taking some white out. Go ahead. That was against us, which was contrary to us, and mm -hmm. took it out of the way, nailing to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphantly over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holiday or of the new moon or the Sabbath days. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I want to hear from you. What do so, you do? So, Coach, you yes. know, the blotting out. I would rather be blotted out by man than blotted out, out by Facebook. God. That's right. Um, well, hey, by the way, I was going to get into that the other day when I once saved, always saved. Do you know it says in the scripture that I will not blot out your name out of the book of life? I don't have it right in front of me right now. Did you know that it says that? And so here's what Mark Halk is trying to tell you, trying to tell all of us. You think this is just going to happen to me? Hmm. You think it's just going to happen to Dale, Chet Gallagher? Are you, are you kidding me? Don't you realize they are coming for you? So this is something that you better in your own heart get settled of whether or not you're going to plead guilty to something you didn't do. Dale, would that be lying? Would that be bearing false witness? Not only that, Coach, and I told you this yesterday. We were talking about our grandchildren. I said, wow. that is the hill that I'm worth there dying There you on. go. That's the one you got to die on, isn't it? Huh? Go ahead, Clay. Well, the way I see it is if we take a plea deal, then we're putting our faith in ourselves and man. We're not putting our faith in God. And Amen. I don't know how you anybody could live with that. Well, I, Clay, we can rationalize it, though, right? Because, they listen, they put Dale in jail. Who's going to take care of his family? By the way, I'm going to raise some money for Isaac Yoder, who's right now in jail. And I asked my wife the other day as we, as we were driving over here, I wonder, I wonder who's supporting his family. I wonder who's supporting. See, we can't just say be warm and be filled. <laughs> we're praying for you, brother. Some of us ought to think about literally, maybe I'm going to try to pull this together, monthly donations to Isaac Yoder and his, and his family. Isaac's in jail for a year. Uh, unbelievable. Forced to take a plea bargain, right? Lawfare, pleading guilty to something he wasn't guilty of. Man, oh man, oh man. You going to stand before the Lord? Dale, would that be lying? No, it wouldn't. As a matter of fact, I think it's, I think it's too easy because he, it's a 12-month commitment. Now it's 11 months. He's already been in there almost a month. Right. So it's not about waiting. Strike now, supporting this guy. Yep. You know, I'm in coach. Can, yep. 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 You know, to, to give him and his family a little reprieve until he gets back out so we can make a living again. Amen. Amen. Joe Allen, come on in. Joe, then Keith. Not only losing your family, your livelihood, you also lose your constitutional rights once you're convicted. Yep. That's a good point, man. Can't carry a gun and anymore, can you? And and your weapons are, are taken. Hey, Joe, let, let me let me folks, let me ask. Here's here's the point I guess I'm trying to make. I'll get right with you, Keith. Hang in there. I may save my neck. But if I saved the next guy's neck, am I my brother's keeper? Have is my surrender, my pleading guilty to something I didn't do. Does that make it better for my children's generation or does it make it worse? These are the things that we have to consider in the times in which we live now. You guys who watch the show regularly know I'll tell you this, right? Sun's coming up. Sun ain't going down. Sun's coming up. There's a lot of good things happening. But we are right now in that vortex, that changeover, that dusk, that morning mist of the sun coming up. And there's so much confusion about what we ought to do, what we should do, what do I do, do this, do I do that? Because ultimately, it's going to cost you something, friends. Liberty has always cost us. 
These are tough decisions. Come on in there, Keith. I am from the government. I've come here to help. Amen. Bottom line is, don't we want a plea bargain? You got kids in the house, they're compromising you. No way. Prove it. That's it. Amen. Amen. I'm just I'm just telling you, 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 you know, I'm st- just telling you, folks, there's a war on Christianity, but we're waking up every day. More and more people are waking up to exactly what it is that's going on. Come on. I want to hear from you. I'm digging something else out over here. Come on in. Dale, you saved me here a second while I looked at this thing on the show. Who popped in? Eileen. Come on in, Eileen. I hope you read that, Mark. Just filed a multi multi Amen. Amen. We should do that, right? They should. They shouldn't be immune. How do they? How do they get immunity to, to all that kind of stuff, folks? And uh, I got. I got a video. I'm, I'm not going to show it today on ivermectin that will blow your mind. Now, listen to me, hey, Doctor Paul. I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving you medical advice, but I'm telling you, friends. You ought to consider regular doses of ivermectin. It's a miracle. It's a miracle drug. And because they knew that ivermectin was effective was why they banned it, why they called it horse paste and all this kind of stuff, right? Because why? Kings of this earth are conspiring against the Lord and against his anointed. Let me get another good pastor in here, Tim Tuba. Come on in, Tim. Out there on the West Coast. So, uh, Coach, I was talking to a, a friend I haven't seen in 30 years, another pastor, who uh, he's a Greek scholar. And we were talking about the word suppressed because of my uh, my win at the U.S. Supreme Court. And uh, he said, you know, Tim, that sounds like the word suppress in Greek in Romans 1. He goes, and that Greek word means to suppress, to, to hold something under the water. Mm-hmm. He said, in law, it means that you're a lawyer. And you know what is right, but you suppress it, and you push down the truth, and you bring up the lie. <laughs> so we were talking about the Greek word, right? Right, right. And, and, and he said to me, so it sounds to him like uh, you are a fighter, and you don't suppress the truth. And I told him, I said, I was told that if I kept on preaching, <laughs> excuse me, Romans 6, I'd be booted out of the church. There you have it. Suppressing the truth with a lie. And folks, again, this is exactly, be right with you there. Uh, get my glasses on. Get right with you there, Jock. This was exactly what Jesus spoke about, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, teaching his commandments the doctrines of men. It's a suppression of liberty and freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's not oppression. There's not suppression. Where, right? And we have fallen, we're in the in the mess that we are in because those of us who carry the banner of Christ, who are supposed to stand back up and push back against these forces of darkness, have refused to do it or been taught we're not supposed to do it or to oppose it as somehow unchristian, always obey the government. The confusion in modern Christianity is staggering, folks. And you guys out there, you're all at the cutting edge. You know, I, was, I didn't tell you this last night, Dale, because we got on kind of late. I was in bed and when Dale got home. Let, let me flop it over as I say this. Dale Socia's church is awake. I, I, I sat down. I was sitting at the table. I talked to a lot of different people yesterday, and they're telling me stuff I didn't know about the jab and about folks. There is so much unveiling and revealing going on out there. We have to understand that we are the purveyors of the truth. We have to be telling people. And what's the promise? They're going to hate you. They're going to lock you up. It's about our children and grandchildren. Dale, why are why are your folks so away? Because it was amazing, some of the conversations I had. Well, it, first off is the, well, you said it in, in John. It says that they lead the sheep out, right? right, right. They lead them out. And so uh, for since 1995, have I been involved, whether it's through abortion, whether it's been through political, you know, I've been in three different Supreme Court hearings of different states. And and I'm telling you, once you once you 
it happens to you when it happens to you brother let me tell you what it's a joyful feeling remember yeah. when peter and james and they were arrested and they came out what did they do they were praising yeah, god That's right. there, there's there's no greater joy than when something like this happens you know when tim was talking coach you know something just came to me you realize we now have four women on the supreme court it's not a male chauvinist i love wow. my wife wow. i love my wife we've got women vice presidents and we we've had uh i think we've had a first man of the house right with, yeah with barack obama and all that look what's happening with there's a jet that listen nothing against the woman itself it's the jezebel spirit that's Amen. behind it and we're seeing this playing out also in the book of revelation Amen. so i wanted to the scripture came to me man i flipped right to it when we were talking about why why are we not standing up and so in the days of hezekiah remember isaiah said make your house in order because you're going to die and before isaiah left the court he said isaiah go back because hezekiah turned to the wall he said you know give me life whatever and so the lord says i'm going to give you 15 you know i'm going to give you more days he gave him 15 more years but at the end of his hezekiah let me tell you what the last 15 years he lived for himself because when you read in second kings chapter 20 it's the story of hezekiah and and he allows babylon to come in and see all the treasuries in his house and isaiah comes and he confronts hezekiah and he said who was that and what did you do what did you show him and he showed him all of the treasuries in his house and Hezekiah told him, he said this in 2 Kings, he says, listen, behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up and stored this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left. Some, mm. of, your, some of your sons who shall issue from you, who will beget, will be taken away and they will become officials in the palace of King Babylon. And I believe those are your Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right. Daniel. And it said, Hezekiah, this is big. This is us. Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord, which you have spoken, it's good for, th for thought. Is it not so if there will be peace and truth in my days? And I, so mm. when he was saying, you know what? Well, okay, well, that'll happen. But in my days, man, it's it, because yeah, it's, about, peace it's all days, about me. Peace in my, peace day. my day. Amen. 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 It's so good. Man. It's, so come on in, John. Hey, good morning, everybody. Great, great show this morning. You know, I'm just thinking about that, too, and how important it is for us to um, to have our affairs in order with yep. our families. Yep. Everybody in here today, we are, I believe in my heart that we're called by God, not only mm -hmm. to be ambassadors, but we're warriors for Christ. Amen. We we are the people that we're, we're the, the solid foundation that the Holy Spirit talks about. And so in order for us to be an example for the generations that are to come, it's like when the oxygen masks fall from the airplane, when there's something going on and there's an infant sitting next to you, you put the mask on first. That's then right. you help the little guy. That's okay? right. Yep. So one way we need to do is we, <clears throat> we store treasures in heaven, but our physical worldly things that we carry, we need to, we need to get out of debt. We need, mm. need to not make ourselves be slaves to the system. So therefore, not only do we have shed that from ourselves, we have everything more to keep focused on the Holy Spirit. And that way, God can work us in the direction he wants us. And I just, I really think that people need to get rid of their debt. Get, oh, rid, of your, get rid of the <laughs> burdens. Yep. So now, uh, Jock, that's easier said than done, but we can we can start whittling away of it, right? And I was thinking last uh, yesterday, Isaiah chapter nine verse six. And I don't even know if we can pull it up because our our technology. But Isaiah chapter nine verse six says, "Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, uh, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Jonathan got it up before you, didn't you, John? Mm -hmm. So you guys don't think don't think I'm I'm lying. So I, I said, look, unless a child is born, unless a son is given, watch this, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Right? Why? Jesus is the head. We're the body. 
this idea that there's a separation between the church and state, and we're not supposed to be involved of it, of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. We're the body. That's where the shoulders begin. Read that scripture, right? The government shall be upon his shoulders. The government wants to be God and carry guys know if you listen if you join us regularly you know i'm saying that i think we're being killed by in time surrender and i don't i don't want to argue about in times whether rapture's coming tomorrow or whether i could die to, i could die tonight right I, my end could come today. Work while the sun shines, for a day cometh when no man can work. And so I thought it was pretty powerful, Dale. Yesterday in the church, I, when I spoke yesterday, I asked them, I said, Dale, what do you do for a living? Then Dale didn't know what to say at first because he didn't know where I was gone. And then finally he gets around and says, well, I'm a construction kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I, you know, I was, a, uh, I was an accountant. Okay, and went through it. And so they're, they're under, my wife said, what do you do for a well, I was a teacher. What do teachers do? Well, they teach children. Okay, well, what do you do? Well, I was a plumber. What, plum, what do plumbers do? I said, okay, then what do Christians do? <laughs> and they just, there's just a dead silence because we yeah. – once we are once we are brought into this kingdom, just read Matthew 6, right? Once you're brought into the kingdom, we're given a commission to go and teach them to observe all I've commanded you. What is it Christians do? They should be going and teaching. What does that look like? And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but if you're a pastor or you're in a church and you guys are never doing anything outside the four walls of that church, I'm telling you, you are disobedient to the call of Christ upon your life. We were talking about John 10. I talked about that the other day, that the good shepherd does what, Dale? Does he lead them he in? leads them out. He leads them out, right? He takes them in the church. He coaches them up, and he says, okay, let's go. Let's go. Here's my question. Why is Jeff Klein leading people out? Why is he doing it? Where are the pastors in Mount Vernon? Why is... Pick your, pick your name. Why's Randy do it? Why's Randy have to do it? Why's Craig Nickel have to do it? These, these are the issues that we're going to have to deal with, friends, if we are going to see the advancement of the kingdom of God in the way in which we're taught to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What? what why the big disconnect? Why does this... Why does, this make it, why does this make us so nervous? Because we are doing nothing more than enlisting in an army, moving forward, fighting for the cause of Christ, advancing the kingdom. So, over and over. so I'll, I'll jump in here. You know, I sit back and listen to people talk. And, it, and once again, it's a badge of honor. It's not a, it's not a platitude on myself. But did you listen as we passed the mic around last night? What are you thankful for? How many times did you hear, I'm thankful for the men in the church? Right. I'm thankful for the men in the church. I'm thankful for this man. What It wasn't, you know why? Because it was men who were leading. Mm-hmm. The men taking the head, whether it was going to the hospital, going to this or doing this. It, it, it is a healthy position where the women are not having to take the roles of awesome. leadership it's in awesome. these ministries. Nothing against so the women. I sat back last night listening to these people, not telling people what they should or should not say, but just hearing time after time, people were saying they were grateful for this man in the church or this man in the church. Yeah. Our job is to equip the saints to do the works of the ministry. And it's healthy because most of the churches in America, the women, mm. it's the women there. And, and, and to know that the men are taking the charge and doing that, it was a blessing. It was. It, it was. Tim, come on in. By, by the way. Okay. Uh, Randy's got his hand up. Uh, I'll let Randy come on. Hang, hang on. I'm looking. I'm scrolling down here a second. Man, am I thankful for Angie Ryan. Oh, Annette, I'm so thankful for and Beth Jackson, Betty Perkins, Big Dan, Bob Havenstra. Oh, Bob Evans, I'm so grateful and thankful for you. I'm thankful. Mm-hmm. You're such a valuable part yes. of the Army. Such a val- When's the last time in, you went to church and you felt that way? And that the pastor stood up and said, oh, gone. I saw you were at the school board. Man, I'm behind you. Right? We, don't, we do not do that. And most churches, we have to be very, very careful. Most of our prayers are for personal advancement. Lord, protect me. Lord, give me. What, at what point do you say, Lord, use me? Here I am, Lord. 
What is it you want me to do? Lord, send me into that lion's den, Lord. Let me be worthy of going and doing that. That's not the mentality we have in the church. Come on in, Randy, then Tim. You know, Coach, it's really good, good, good motivation for me. Uh, that's why I come in, Coach. I, I need to be motivated and stay on my game. But, hey, uh, Saturday I went out. I took my pastor. We went to the uh, a local county courthouse, and we did the decrees, the declarations, and the spiritual warfare, Coach. Awesome. Very, very powerful. But, but I want to say this, Coach, with what you've been saying. That is, Coach, that is how we are going to reestablish the government, is to remove the evil. And then we've got people right here among us that are righteous that can go in in government and, and sit in these places and bring forth the justice and the, the righteousness of God. We yeah. are reestablishing the government of Christ right yeah. now, Coach, and we can see it. I see it too, brother. I see it too. Because why? Sun's coming up. Sun ain't going down. It's all matter how you look at it, what your perspective on it is. Come on in, Tim. Well, you know, I've made it uh, pretty public that, you know, I was a pastor for 30 years. And every time I get around Dale, uh, I would listen to him every single day. I'm part of his fan club. (laughs) I got a a man crush on him. Amen. Amen. Because he's such a good teacher. So I would listen. If he was teaching like at 7 p.m. once a week, I would get in there and I would turn off the Cheers TV show just to watch him. And so if he if he did that, you know, well, once Tim, a week on a Bible study, I'd watch him. And I would do my, my Romans Bible study once a week to people at 7 p.m. So here's my thing. I would turn off the TV to watch him at 7 or 8 p.m. Uh, so I think we should figure out how to put on certain people, you know, a couple times a week Amen. to do Bible studies so we can watch these people. Yes. Instead of watching cheers. So, hey, Tim, can I tell you why else it's important? I'm yeah, not I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. All right. But sometimes a different perspective is healthy. Is it not? Folks, do you, do you go to church and sit under the same guy telling you the same thing? Never, never getting a little bit of uh, Dale took me to Bobby a bears the other night, which is a nice restaurant down there. And they're bringing stuff in. I said, what's that Dale? And he says, well, that's called what? What were those things called? Boudin balls. Dale, boudin. he ate boudin that's balls. That's a boudin ball. What's a boudin ball? I said, I'm just eating the Wendy's. I never eat a boudin ball. And so that's where so many of you are. So many of us are in our theological walk. We ain't never eat a boudin ball. All we eat is Wendy's, right? Wendy's. So, Tim, I think you're on to something. And what we have to do, we, we have to be willing to think that maybe I might not know it all and give myself an opportunity to hear what Dale has to say. Because, you know, he just might have a perspective I had never thought of. I'd never I'd never had a boudin ball, right? So here's another factor in it. And, the, and I love you guys. Listen, if I, if I could say to 2 Timothy uh, chapter uh, 1, verse 3, I thank God every time I remember you. Amen. When I think about Randy, when it comes in Tim, and, just, and I would, of course, I would forget everybody's name. So I, I thank God. Every time I think of you and in my prayers, always remembering you that he who has begun this work in you, mm-hmm. he is able to complete it. So yep. here's a challenge to many pastors. How many pastors out there are willing to admit, not in private, but to their congregation? Man, I was wrong. With you. That's right. You heard that I yesterday, right? Man, somebody, we, see, I allow interaction in my church and somebody, we were talking about the the colors of the horsemen or whatever, right? And the pale Ashley Grizzly horse, whatever. And and I heard, and so one of the guys in the, the church said, look up that Greek word, Dale. It's plural, plural, plural. And I said, no, no. And I went home and I saw that. I was like, wow. So I called him up and I was so thankful. I'm so grateful to also being taught and willing to 
and I did. I, I presented that to the church right? and said, you know what, guys, I just want to let you know. So for the man to be able to stand up there and say, man, I was wrong on that. But if I don't allow interaction in the church, that'll never happen. Well, it blocks so the it. pastor's always right, coach. Yeah, He's never that, wrong. That's right. And it blocks the revelation of the Holy Spirit to the individual. Look, folks, the Holy Spirit can speak to you, specifically to you. And you then can go to your pastor and say, Pastor Dale, have you thought about this? What was that word? Chloros. Chloros. The Greek. Mm. So you look up the word chloros, say, wow, that changes everything, doesn't it? That's why for me, uh, I'm a King James guy because you get into some of those others, it changes the perspective. Not that look, not that the King James is always right, but can I tell you? The King James, I think, is more manly, more direct, more harsh in its language. And I love that harsh language in the gospel because I see the gospel as a war. I see it as a war. Oh, there's peace in the gospel for sure. There's love in there. There's joy. There's all that stuff's in there. The boys and girls, if you don't think the gospel is a war, dude, you're missing it, man. You're missing it. Jeff Klein, then Joe Allen. Coach, I'll share this is this morning and tomorrow morning, but Tuesday night in the garage here in Mount Vernon at Monte Carlot, we'll have a shepherd coming in that they're trying to destroy. Most everybody knows who that is, but he'll be there tomorrow night. He hadn't been there in three months just because of the way he's being hammered. So I just want to say we need to, we need supporting with with monies but we also need to support him just being in the garage just to be there and say i'm with you brother so hoping we'll just pack out a bunch of people tomorrow night and he can share his heart a little bit but he's ready to come back in and sit in the garage nobody should have to fight the fight alone friends nobody should joe allen come on in hey look, look, look over there Ooh, look, look over there huh? she's eating a bouillet what was that thing you said there It froze up. Joe, yeah. go ahead. You frozen up or something? Yeah. A lot, lot of us been around different walks of life. A lot right. of us. My my background is government. But you look at all these men in power. Given power. My great personality of looking at men that came from the ashes. And came up like Dale yes, Code. Sir. I look for the men that come from ashes. Smell like smoke, right, Joe? They smell like That's smoke. Right. I don't look for people who have been given power. Mm-hmm. I want the people that came from the ashes that lead us like Dale and Coach. Amen. Amen. I can, I, can, I can name a bunch of people. Amen. Mark Crump, he's another one. Come from ashes. There are people out there fighting, and we don't even know about man that are fighting, right? Hey, let me let me let me end, end with this here. This will sound like self promotion, and I don't mean it to be, but you can take it as self promotion. A, a lot of you don't. Uh, some of you are just watching for the first time, right? And I mean, so just recently been been watching. We we would love to come to your church. We'd love to come. Now look, we don't charge. People say, what's your fee? 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 What are you talking about, fee? Well, I would love to come and encourage your pastor, encourage your men. We All we ask is you help us with our expenses and take a love offering. It don't even matter if you can't do that. Dale, were you guys inspired last night? Oh, yeah. Uh, come on, Mason. Yes. So so look, if you have not look. Well, I, wait, I asked them. At the end, I, I said, okay, you know, yes, he's one of our missionaries. So we we do that. We have missionaries that we support. Pass the Salt is one of them. We've been doing it for several years. And I asked him, I said, how many of y'all want Coach to come back and talk again? And every hand went up. Mm. So so uh, if you're out there say, man, we only have 50 people at our church. Perfect. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. 
That's will you help? Will you help with our expenses? We're coming. No, I'm not charging five thousand dollars and have to have this water for me. And you got to put me, I'll, you know, put me in some fancy. I sleep on a couch. It doesn't matter, coffee. right? We're, yeah, we're sitting here. Dale's having Air Force One coffee. Because look, some of you, some of you, uh, you're bursting, man. You're bursting. And we would love to put like-minded people around you. That's what we'd like to do. We'd love to come. We'll do a street training with you. We'll come up for a weekend. We'll take your people to the street. We'll show them how to do honking ways, how to hold signs. We'll give them a boldness that they never had. Because for the most part, well, I'm here right now because I met this guy through Operation Save America. They took me to the street. And when I went to the street, I met him. Mississippi State and it's been College. A, and it's been a life bond. It's been a life yep. bond, right? Yep. Two thousand six. If I if I need a new floor put in my house, he comes and does it, right? So I just want I just want to encourage you out there. It's not self promotion, man. I'm, if it is, it is. I'm telling you, we gotta we gotta wake folk up, huh? We gotta wake folk up. And I want you to know, those of you looking at me right now, you're God's A team, baby. You're God's A team. And wherever you are, we need to start putting some other soldiers around you. That's what we'd love to do. God bless you. See you from good old Ohio tomorrow morning.